Hello and welcome to FX Talk, an eBrew podcast where we break down some of the main news headlines in the financial markets and give our take on what these developments might mean for the world of foreign exchange. My name is Matthew Ryan, Senior Market Analyst here at eBrew, and I'm delighted to be joined on the podcast by two of my colleagues, our Chief Risk Officer Enrique Diaz-Alvarez and Market Analyst Roman Zaruk. So this podcast is all about the foreign exchange market. We're going to take a look at some of the main news stories in FX, discuss them, and give our view on what they might mean for currencies going forward. So it's now time for episode 10 of FX Talk, recorded on Tuesday, the 15th of September. And on today's podcast, we focused our discussion on what we think the next monetary policy steps are for three of the world's major central banks, the European Central Bank, Federal Reserve, and the Bank of England. And then as always, we'll end with our spotlight currency for the week, which this week is focused on the pound in light of the recent Brexit headlines. Okay, so we're in the middle of a very busy couple of weeks in the FX market with plenty of market moving headlines and announcements to keep investors interested, whether that be, of course, latest virus numbers or the rather doom and gloom headlines out of Brexit. Arguably, the main focus uh, is on central bank monetary policy. Of course, the European Central Bank met last week. There was no change in policy. We did get some rather interesting comments from President Lagarde regarding the euro. The Fed's FOMC will also be meeting this Wednesday. Uh, again, no change in policy expected, but uh, the market will be closely watching uh, the updated macroeconomic and interest rate projections, particularly the Fed's view on interest rates beyond 2022. And then on Thursday, we have the Bank of England meeting. And the FX market will be eagerly awaiting any comments on the possibility of negative interest rates in the UK and whether or not more QE can be expected before the end of the year. Uh, so a lot going on that we can talk about. Uh, we'll start with the European Central Bank. Uh, and the key takeaway there really was twofold, I think. Firstly, the bank's lack of concern really for, for low inflation in the euro. I'm going to pass it over to you guys now. So what did you make of last week's ECB announcement? And what do you think of the next policy steps going forward in Europe? Well, um, I think that this, this question all ties into the, uh, the inflation question, right? I mean, what is the, the next for the for central banks, in my view? Uh, we The central banks are much like us trying to see whether the pandemic impact is created on the supply or the demand side of the economy, um, and they will react accordingly. Um, if we think the U.S. is sort of like the leading indicator here, it's clear that after the initial downdraft in inflation, uh, uh, inflation has gone up to what it was before the pandemic. And in fact, you're going to have you if you look at the uh, at some of the disaggregated indices, you see uh, interesting impacts in that uh, uh, goods inflation, imported goods in particular, are the, the price pressures are pushing up while uh, services are are still down. Um, I think that, frankly, uh, it's going to be difficult for central banks to do much more in, in terms of adding monetary stimulus than they have done so far. First of all, because they have done a lot. I mean, the, the measures that we have seen are absolutely unprecedented and massive. And second, because uh, the result of all these income supports uh, that have successfully maintained people's incomes and meeting with with uh, the the disruption to production and supply chains uh, is going to I don't I don't see how you can avoid putting upward pressure on inflation. Uh, so I think that I expect inflation to surprise to the upside in the coming months. 
Yeah, regarding the ECB, I generally think that the meeting was quite optimistic. And uh, as I suggested previously, I don't think that we should focus only on uh, one inflation number uh, from August, but generally look at how it develops over time. Yes, we had a very big surprise, but it doesn't have necessarily to mean anything. And I think that the ECB really stressed that because they, they pointed out to a, a lot of technical factors that influenced uh, the August reading. And uh, going forward, I would also be leaning, I think, on the side of a higher inflation. Uh, but uh, interesting for me would be to see, uh, you know, knowing how the Fed will react, which means that they will likely not react to a higher inflation as they change their uh, inflation target. Uh, well, as, as they change how they view inflation target uh, past few weeks ago, uh, it would be interesting to see uh, how the ECB reacts if the inflation actually uh, starts increasing maybe faster than they expected. It's interesting to, in the context of inflation, that even you know having this uh, significant de decline in the core prices, uh, they uh, raised uh, the forecast for uh, the 2021, uh, which generally means that uh, it's not only talk, but that they are actually quite uh, optimistic regarding regarding the future. And I generally think that the other economic numbers are also supporting the argument that the inflation will likely be higher, but the central banks will likely just have to tolerate it uh, and to, to let the growth return to normal levels going forward. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's worth stressing because the current QE program of course, doesn't run out until mid-next year, so there was really no real rush for them to tinker with their QE program at all. Uh, I think, as you said, yeah, I think the next few months of inflation data... Um, the value of the euro in the next sort of two or three months, I think it's going um, to be going to be key to ECB policy. Um, the fact that there were prolonged discussions um, during the meeting um, over the, the value of the euro suggests that the ECB are pretty concerned uh, over its impact on both suppressing inflation and, of course, worsening export competitiveness as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think it'll be too long before... We start seeing um, discussions over a possible increase uh, in asset purchases should inflation remain low and the euro remain strong. I think there's a possibility we could get that maybe as, as soon as December, although um, last week's meeting suggests that we may, may have to wait till next year to we get uh, news of uh, an increase in its quantity or its assets purchase program, I should say. I think that I will push back a little bit against that, Matthew. I think that uh, for the reasons I explained earlier, I think that uh, uh, the ECB is going to be more reluctant to to add stimulus uh, going forward than I think most of the market is, is expecting. I think that um, the economy has, has performed better than they expected. Um, and uh, I, I, I think that if, if, if I'm right and inflation uh, bounces back up to at least the levels before the crisis and perhaps higher, we, we may uh, start a little to see a little reluctance uh, in adding further stimulus. Um, also, I think that clearly the, the pandemic, we have seen the, the worst of the, of the lockdown measures. Um, there's not going to be another lockdown. And, uh, and so I, I still think that the economy, again, I'm using the U.S. as a leading indicator, the economy uh, is going to uh, generally outperform expectations in the next few months. Uh, I, th I think we'll move on now. I think we'll move on to our uh, second time. We'll talk about the Federal Reserve, which, as I said, is meeting this coming Wednesday. Um, now, we mentioned in our preview report ahead of the meeting that the key here is 
we think probably the update is economic and interest rate projections. Uh, as you mentioned, Enrico, both the US and indeed the global economies have recovered, <coughs> recovered faster than expected um, during the high of the downturn. Data is generally surprised to the upside as industries reopen and the uh, lockdown measures are eased, and certainly faster than central banks had expected two or three months ago. So I think probably uh, due an upward revision to the, the Fed's GDP forecast, probably a, a downward revision to its unemployment projections as well. Uh, but I think the key here is probably going to be what the Fed does with its uh, dot plot, uh, which is where FOMC members expect rates to be at the end of the next few years. Uh, and for the first time, we will get um, the bank's view on interest rates beyond 2022, so for the 2020, end of 2023. Um, whether or not we see this remain at the effective lower bound or if that median dot shows the possibility of hikes, and 2023 is probably going to be the key to the market reaction uh, on Wednesday. Uh, so so would, you, would you guys both agree with that? What do you think um, we'll see from the Fed and what do you think are the next policy moves from the Federal Reserve? Well, uh, yeah, like you said, the 2023 uh, dots are going to be very, very interesting, not just immediate, but to see if, if uh, we start to, to see some, some hawkish descents from the overwhelming dovish consensus that has dominated the Fed over the next uh, few months. I mean, uh, this is 2023. We're talking three years on the line uh, in a context in which unemployment has, uh, I mean, well, still very high, has, has significantly outperformed uh, pretty much most strategies and definitely Federal Reserve's own forecast. So the market is is actually, uh, I mean, somewhat surprisingly expecting zero rates uh, through most of 2023. So if we see uh, a few members of the FOMC peel off from this obvious consensus and surprisingly hikes, we could see an interesting dynamic develop uh, at, the, at the far end of the U.S. Treasury curve, and maybe some interest, some steepening of the of the interest rate curve, especially around the five to ten year sector. And that, that actually, in terms of effects, that should be a very that could be a, a short and positive for the dollar. That's my view. So regarding the threat, I think that generally, uh, neither during uh, this meeting the w- this week or in the next uh, few meetings or generally in the next few few years, I don't think that they would uh, really be willing to introduce some uh, other measures like the yield curve control or the negative interest rates. I think it's it's probably out of the question, uh, at least the latter. But uh, when it comes to uh, this week's meeting, I, I think that the most important, at least for me, is uh, how they view the situation uh, in the labor market. So... Uh, uh, because we saw them uh, expecting a unemployment rate at the end of the year at around 9%, and right now it's already below that level, uh, and we still have a few months to go. So, uh, And all of the data that we are receiving suggests to us that the unemployment uh, rate should continue trending down, uh, although to a limited extent. Uh, but generally, I, I would think that uh, they might significantly uh, downgrade this uh, unemployment rate forecast. Uh, forecast. Uh, and generally, this 2023 uh, dot, uh, I know that everybody right now is pretty uh, hooked on uh, on this idea, but I just want to point out that we are, they are forecasting something that's going on 
three years forward. Uh, and the, the value of their forecasts right now is probably uh, very limited. So uh, because the, um, the risks to inflation on both sides, I think, are, are so extreme right now. And going forward three years, it, it's a long time uh, in the future that I, I don't think that it generally will tell us anything, uh, this, this uh, the 2023 dot. Uh, but probably the markets will focus on that. Uh, but I'm most interested in the unemployment uh, rate forecast. And potentially, I would also expect some uh, slight uh, upward revision to the GDP forecast. Uh, this would also be quite welcome. Yeah, I, mean, I, was, I, think, I think you're dead right. It's a long way in the future, obviously three years in the future. Uh, but I think the Fed is, don't expect really any change in policy from the Fed for the foreseeable future. Certainly the market doesn't. I think this 2023 dot kind of is is something for the market to hold on to going into the meeting. Um, really, yeah, regarding whether or not we'll see any members potentially in support of hikes, uh, I would think we might get a few, a handful of members potentially, but I, yeah, I expect that median dot uh, to remain um, at the effective lower bound, particularly given that recent policy overhaul we had from the Fed, uh, which we talked about in the last podcast, where they'll now look through uh, higher inflation um, uh, and target, have an uh, average inflation target rather than that set 2% uh, target. Uh, but yeah, I, th- I think we're generally all in agreement. We'll see, probably like to see a, a bit of a wait and see approach from the Fed uh, this week. Um, probably won't try and rock the boat too much. Um, uh, and yeah, as you said, I think, Roman, those economic projections are probably likely to be um, uh, among the most focused on from an from investor's point of view anyway. Okay, so I think we'll move on to our uh, final topic of this little section before we move into our spotlight currency, and that is uh, to briefly talk about this coming Thursday's Bank of England meeting and what, what our expectations are for the BOE uh, over the slightly longer term. So no change in interest rates, all the QE programme are expected this week. But, of course, the accompanying communications will be key for the pound. Now, of course, there's been a lot of talk about the possibility of negative interest rates in the UK. Uh, needless to say, if this was hinted at this week, the pound would, of course, sell off hard. But um, absent any comments on negative rates, um, as we mentioned in our reports in the last couple of days or so, the view, vote on the QE programme could prove key, namely whether or not any of the more dovish members of the MPC dissents in favour of an immediate increase in, in this programme. Uh, so, so what are you guys expecting in this regard? Is there any chance that the bank cuts interest rates below zero in the next few months? Or is the, the QE program probably the, the most likely tool to be used? Uh, I think that any, any additional stimulus will probably be uh, through the, the QE uh, toolkit. Um, I, again, the UK is a bit of a special case because we have, in addition to the pandemic and the recovery, we have this, this, this you know, uh, handled bank gorilla called Brexit. You know, on our shoulder. So I think that of all the major central banks, the, the Bank of England is the one that is most likely to add additional, or to need to, to feel like it needs to add additional stimulus, and that's because of the uh, of the lack of progress in the Brexit negotiations and 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 the uh, the possibility that that uh, that that would create uh, some uh, fears in the in financial markets. That might need to be counteracted. Um, I don't think that it will definitely will not happen uh, on Thursday, either in the quantitative easing front or the negative rates front. But going forward, if 
we've uh, weeks go by and we still see no further progress in the uh, vaccine negotiations. I think that we could see a uh, quantitative easing as early as the, as the next meeting. Yeah, generally, I'm not sure about the expanding the asset purchases uh, from the Bank of England, especially at this current meeting, uh, considering that uh, the economic data from the UK has really surprised the upside in the past few few weeks and uh, generally. Uh, so the situation there seems to be much better than expected. And this is, seems to be quite in line with what the central bank's chief economist thinks. And he was quite reluctant to expand the asset purchases. So generally, uh, I, I would not uh, expect it in the near future, definitely not during this meeting, potentially near the, the end of the year, especially if the Brexit situation turns a uh, turn for the worse uh, and if uh, there is going to be some additional economic turbulence because of that. Uh, but if the situation hopefully gets uh, resolved or uh, the situation uh, as we have it right now will continue and the, neg- the negotiations will go forward, I don't think that we are going to, to see a uh, significant change in, in monetary policy and n- not even uh, asset purchase increases, uh, especially not in the near future. Yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Economic data, uh, the UK has actually been very strong in the last few weeks. We listed uh, the 13 most important, what we thought the most important data releases out of the UK uh, since the August Bank of England meeting and our preview report ahead of this week's meeting. And out of those 13, 10 had surprised to the upside, including retail sales and inflation. But, of course, I mean, risks have increased quite substantially since then. Obviously, Brexit, with no, no deal Brexit at the end of the year, no much more likely than it was. Uh, we've seen an increase in virus cases in the U- UK as well and a reintroduction of some of uh, the containment measures. And, of course, this furlough scheme is said to, to um, expire at the end of October, which is likely to lead to a bit of an increase in unemployment. So I think there's lots of reason for caution. I think potentially if the, if the Brexit saga drags on, we could start seeing a much more dovish Bank of England in the next few meetings. I do think there is a chance we could get a couple of dissenters today uh, sorry, on Wednesday in favour of more QE, which may lay the, lay the groundwork for more stimulus, maybe even as, uh, as soon as the November meeting. Okay, so I, th- I think we'll move on to our, our final topic now. Um, and we're going to focus again uh, on the pound, um, which has been in the news once again in the past couple of weeks, as we've mentioned, mainly because of, of Brexit. All this, of course, has come about following the, the breakdown in talks between the EU and, and the UK, which is raise concerns that the UK could potentially leave discussions without a full trade agreement in place at the end of the transition period, which is uh, 31st of December this year. And this, of course, worsened by Boris Johnson's attempts to override part of his Brexit withdrawal agreement. Uh, So what do you guys make of the the current situation regarding Brexit and the pound uh, in general? Do you think is a no-deal scenario genuinely on the table, perhaps? Uh, that uh, Brexit politics is the one place where I feel least comfortable making uh, forecasts, to be honest. I still think that, uh, that the Tory establishment is unlikely to to, uh, to allow uh, some uh, not-in-Brexit scenario to take place, but uh, I am a bit less comfortable with that point of view than I was a few weeks ago after the uh, events of the last week. Um, I do think that, uh, I mean, sterling at one, around 128 is roughly uh, where we forecasted it would be at the end of the quarter. Um, so in, in this case, when it comes to putting a prediction on sterling, I would have to say hold. I think that uh, 
that news in Brexit are, are slightly to, to put upward pressure as downward pressure on it. Um, the UK economy, other than Brexit, is doing well. The Bank of England is going to stand pat, uh, certainly at this meeting. I see no reason to take either a long or a short position on sterling right now. Yeah, and when it comes to Brexit, I, th I think it's uh, really a uh, the, the news flow that we have is a, a big surprise for everyone involved. Uh, so uh, right now, I, I would focus on the situation in the Tory Party. So whether uh, they will uh, agree or not uh, on this uh, amendment bill, uh, which basically uh, changes uh, the the bill that they have uh, agreed on with the EU. So this is the, probably the biggest short-term risk. But I think that most of this risk is already priced in. Uh, but going forward, uh, I think that we are just in a situation where we have uh, two cars uh, going against each other and nobody really wants to, to blink. And uh, it's it probably will be resolved at the, the last possible moment. And this last possible moment will likely be uh, around the middle of October because this is the deadline that Boris Johnson has set in. So I think the this week and probably uh, the week uh, or the coming weeks before this date will, will be quite important for the pound and the volatility in the currency may just as well continue to be as significant uh, as it has been uh, in the in the past week where it's sold off by around three and a half percent against the euro and the dollar. Uh, so I would expect the, the currency to remain uh, quite volatile and dependent on the news flow regarding the Brexit. Uh, but I don't really have a strong view on the negotiations at this point. I think that it, it, can, it can go either way and it's quite unexpected. I don't think that we have enough information to really base our uh, forecast here uh, and to, with, with a real strong degree of certainty. Yeah, yeah I think right, uh, Volt says he probably likely to remain pretty high for the next few weeks as we approach that Boris Johnson's self-imposed middle of October uh, date for getting uh, a deal done. But I, I remember, I don't think that the market's getting overly panicky just yet. The standards moved lower a little bit, but it's certainly not been a, a very particularly violent one. Uh, I think it's worth noting that this internal market bill, it, of course, is not set in stone. It can be amended. You can also make concessions and put in place clauses in this relationship as a sort of price for the UK diverging from the withdrawal agreement. Um, so while well, I think a sort of accidental no-deal risk has increased, um, it's still in the best interest of both parties in order to get an agreement. I think even if we do get a bare-bones free trade agreement, I think that will be reached at some point, hopefully before the end of the year. Um, so I'm relatively optimistic that we will get some sort of agreement but you know, as you say, the risks are very much heightened. Um, I think, yeah, Enrique, I agree with you there. I think Sterling would be a, a hold and wait and see what happens with Brexit before committing to any position in either direction. And that just about does it from us. If you're keen to hear more about our thoughts on the currency markets, visit Ebury's website or follow us on social media. And don't forget to rate and review the podcast on your favourite podcast app and let us know if there are any topics you would like to hear more on during upcoming podcasts. Keep an eye out for our next episode in a week's time. Thank you all very much for listening.